You were listening to the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly in the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or the Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com forward slash 1830 Podcast Network for more information. Hello, and welcome to the 1830 Podcast Network. I am Tony McIndoo, and I have a very special guest here with me today. But first, we have Cody over here. Cody, hey, say hi. What's up? Not much. Okay, let's get started here. <laughs> this is great. This is great start right there. All right, so we actually have a special guest today. Mm-hmm. We have Jenny Yates in studio with us. Woohoo! How are you hi. doing, Jenny? I'm doing great. Um, but can I tell you something really quick? Oh. I, know, I know it sounds really ridiculous, but I have been trying since... You know, like in sixth grade, you get to go to like middle school and there's this whole new like world ah, that you get to come into. And so I thought, well, this is the time that I can change my name from Jenny to Jennifer. Because when I went into, I skipped kindergarten, went into first grade, there were like six Jennies, Jennifers in my room. So I had to be Jenny K for like ever. So I was Jenny K. So then I get in there and in... Everybody wants to know your name, but they don't want to ask you in middle school. So they ask friends and they go, oh, that's Jenny. So I was still Jenny. And I was Jenny like in youth group and I've been Jenny all growing up. Like even in my wedding, my wedding vows, the night before we're talking and I'm talking to Hube. Hube Hube Yates is my father-in-law and he's the one that married us. I'm talking to Hube and I'm like, okay, just one thing. Because I don't like to like bother people, but it is my wedding. One thing, I want to be called Jennifer in the wedding. The entire wedding, I was Jenny's fur. The entire <laughs> Jenny's wedding. Fur. Now you Jenny's fur. <laughs> Jenny's fur the whole time. And I mean, it was great. It was great. So this is, I've never heard of this. So this is something you've wanted since you were in mm, kindergarten? Like, well, well, I mean, I was okay with Jenny K like in first grade and second grade, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, okay, but so. by the time I was 11, I really wanted to be Jennifer. So then Joel has never called me Jenny. He only calls me Jen. Oh, so And you just, probably don't even he just realize cut it out. that. That's, that's so now we need right a new there. intro. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> hey, the 1830 podcast, like we have Jennifer Yates. How does that yes. sound? That, that, that sounds good. That's better. what you were looking for? That sounds for? good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or Jen. All right. Or so, Jen. Or right. Jen so. And so sometimes when I talk on the phone, I'll call somebody and I don't remember what they call me. So I'm like, hey, hi, this is Jenny, Jen, Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> this is all three. So yeah. that's that's a good way to start out there. Yeah, I did not know. So we have Jennifer or Jen with us here. And this is we're doing something different now because uh, we've been doing some interviews. This is season two of the 1830 Podcast Network. And all throughout season one, uh, Jennifer here, I, I had to think about that for a second, but Jen... Def- <laughs> Jenny, Jenny. Jen, Jenny, okay, Jenny. has been uh, texting Cody and I and uh, thanking us for what we've been doing. And uh, if anybody's ever exchanged a text message with with Jenny, you know it's not going to be a quick little little two uh, sentence text, and it turns into quite a quite a long text, which is great, and we appreciate that. So uh, we were texting back and forth uh, between all three of us, and we said we got to get Jenny on here because. Uh, if you if you haven't had a chance to to talk to Jenny, um, Jenny Yates, just in case you're trying to figure out who this is, 
Uh, she's always has excitement. She's always going to give um, whatever you're bringing to the table. She's always going to amplify it and make it more exciting. So we decided that we needed to get her. And she happened to be in town the same time that I was in town. And Cody lives here. So we decided we need to get together and just see what happens. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Tonefer. <laughs> no, excited to have you on. This is really cool. Uh, we're always looking to branch out and do things different and find people that want to participate and be on the podcast and, and offer something different than what we've done. And it's really exciting and fun to do. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that because uh, I, when we were talking about it today, you said, well, I don't know what I can say. I'm not in the ministry. I'm not something, but that's how Cody and I feel every time we turn the microphone on. So now you kind of feel what we're feeling is, yeah, we're kind of just, we're just used to, well, we're not ministry. So uh, nobody wants to hear what we have to say, but you know, obviously a few people tune into our podcast and I know my mom listens, so you can say hi to Yay, my Becky. mom. Yeah. So There's she's, she's going to listen to us. So I know she listens and everybody else. I'm not sure who they all are, but, um, so we're just going to see what happens. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited about it. I am. I mean, I was a little nervous, but I'm good. We'll yeah. Great. I think everybody feels a little nervous. So, um, we'll, we'll go get started here. Uh, one of the things we were talking about over the text message was um, the different ways. And I think Cody and I have touched on this on different podcasts, but we we're talking mm -hmm. about how the different ways people remember sermons and the different ways people, uh, you know, put that in their long-term memory. And you were talking about that as, as well too. And I, growing up in the same local, the Phoenix local and always having you in the local, I remember and, and I, I could always see you cause in case you didn't know in the Phoenix local, we have very specific seating assignments. And I was on the, the left side of the church and I was on the right side of the church, but she was usually a pew or two in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I could, I could see you and we could, we were pretty close and I could see you. And every time, every sermon I, I can look at you and you're looking at the sermon, you're looking at the preacher and you're smiling, you're nodding. And like you intently look like you are a hundred percent engaged. And I always thought like, that must be nice to have at least Jenny in the audience that is looking back at you and uh, taking her notes. And I mean, even if you, if you are, uh, you're tuned into it and I'm sure that they greatly appreciate that because it's a hard thing to do to sit there and look at somebody the whole time. And uh, so I, I got to know, is that you're taking notes and is that just kind of what you do? Is that how you remember things or how do you, how do you remember sermons and how you um, bring them up in your, if you're in, later on in your life? Well, okay. So, I mean, there's a few ways to do that for me, for me, mostly it is taking notes. Um, I found that, um, and maybe it's just me trying to be smarter than I really am. Um, but I, I feel like that just writing a note, uh, writing something and listening to it, it stores in different parts of the brain and it, and it kind of like, you know, I was going to say cross references and stuff. Maybe it's just better to say like hashtags somewhere and, <laughs> and it all compiles, you know? Um, but I can look back on these notes and, and recently I've done this, look back on the notes and go, I remember, I remember the sermon. I remember where I was sitting. I remember everything about the sermon. Um, we were cleaning out a garage during all of this extra time we had. And I hate to say we have boxes of just like notebooks. <laughs> that for some reason I was saving and a lot of them were sermon notes. And, um, I remember one part 
there was a sermon by Gordon McCann. And if I hadn't seen these notes, I probably wouldn't remember it. But it was like the history. There was like history of Israel and there was all this stuff. And I remember color coding it. And I remember all of the stuff that I had written down in there. And when I saw that, it, it was like it turned on a switch and I could remember it. How long ago was that sermon? Do you remember? That was in the 90s. It was in the 90s. Wow. Like, I want to say 1997, maybe, 96. Yeah. And you could remember all those emotions and all those I remember, feelings yeah. came back. And I was actually sitting on the left side, second row. I, I wow. remember all of that you know stuff. I need to pay more attention to church. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Man. That is, okay, so that's. But it's not every sermon that's like that. You know what I mean? I mean, I could, no, no, no. (laughs) I mean, that one specifically, yeah, because there was stuff that I'd learned there that I'd never, I'd never understood before. I'd probably heard it before over and over, but sometimes you have to hear things several times through different speakers and stuff like that for it to finally get into your thick skull and go, ah. This is like that aha moment. You know what I mean? And to stay in the the memory part because. Exactly. Okay. So that, that makes sense because uh, when we're talking to people and I've had this conversation with a couple of different people, everybody has their different ways. They're different things that they use to lock in and mm-hmm. key in on these parts. And so it sounds like that when you are sitting there, you're paying attention, you're taking the notes mm-hmm. and you're, you're putting that into your memory. And then reading that note is what sparked it for you to remember what it was all about. Right. For years, years later, years later. That's yeah. That's crazy. So that's, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, sometimes um, there might be some things that, that have influenced me in my life and influenced the way I think, the way I raise my kids, the way my spiritual life, but I can't put my finger on what it is. Um, but I believe that it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of things. I believe that it's, there's, there's snippets of sermons that come in. Um, scripture readings, probably things that I was taught as a kid, things Randy and Becky taught me as, as youth group leaders, um, things that I as adult teaches, teach my kids, VCS, all this kind of stuff. It just layers upon layers. And there's no way to act, actually say, I am this way because Brian McIndoe gave this sermon. Now, there are some sermons that have totally influenced me and changed things, you know, um, I remember a sermon, I think I had texted this to you or whatever, Stephen Kimball's sermon, and he had done this personality mm-hmm. test thing. I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, personality tests all the way for me. I love that stuff. I'm <laughs> such a nerd. Love it. Um, but what he said was God created us all, everybody different, so different, because it would be so boring if he didn't. And And I know millions of people say that. But he said... All of these personalities, if we know who we are and how we relate to other people and maybe who we're talking to, then we can communicate more effectively. And and that's in, in doing that, we can learn more about other people and be able to, um, I mean, not necessarily influence them to do our thing. You know, it sounds like something diabolical. That's not <laughs> what I mean. But we can get our message across easier to other people and and that really made a difference to me i mean there's just there's some really neat things yeah i i think and we were discussing it was uh when they use something that's visual and and that's i guess how i am just how i understand and how i remember things it's got to be something visual and 
when we were talking about it, we were talking about different sermons and all the visual things that I happen. And then when I really got to think about it, I couldn't remember what the sermon was about, but I remember the visual, whatever they used for the visual part. Like I know I was, I tuning in, I tuned into the Phoenix local, uh, sermon on Sunday and Steven was up there with ballistic gel and he had a samurai sword and he chopped it and I didn't get it. The camera wasn't on it. So I didn't get to see what happened, but then his daughter, Anna texted me the video from it. So, uh, that that's I remember the sermon right now, but oh, it was I gotta see that. Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. So uh that's what when Cody and I were talking, I think it was on a podcast, and we were talking about it because sometimes you can even remember what the visual was, but then mm-hmm. it's hard to do it. And I was even one step further, I was even talking to Steven about it, and there was a specific sermon that I you know, Steven loves the visuals. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh a lot of the memories I have of Stephen's sermons are all the visual ones. So I remember I was talking to Stephen about it and I said that I wanted to use one of his sermons as an example. And then I wanted to ask him what that sermon was about. And then I, I reminded him what sermon it was and he had no clue what that sermon was about. And then a step further, we talked again and he did that sermon. It was on zoom. It was for the New York uh, local. And I was tuned into that one as well. Mm -hmm. And he was out in his backyard talking about his pizza oven and then he went and did that same sermon in Phoenix, and this was that later that week, and he couldn't remember what sermon he preached on Sunday. So that's what I was kind of like, well, why are we... Some people don't have the ability to write notes. Like if I sat and wrote notes for a whole sermon, mm-hmm. number one, I couldn't read them because I have horrible handwriting, so I wouldn't know what they were even about. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and number two, I don't know that that would work for me. Right. I don't know that right. I can piece it together that like right. the visual, how I felt. And uh, Cody and I were talking too, and he was talking about how, how testimonies are, are he remembers testimonies mm-hmm. and how they make them feel. And mm-hmm. I, I said, I agree with you. Like I can remember testimonies growing up. I can remember my own personal testimonies because those are like burned into your, your brain and your heart. So I feel like I still, I know those, but when a sermon, like it's, it's hard for me and I don't know what it is, but like, I, I have a hard time, especially with two little kids. It's hard to pay attention right. to a sermon as it is. So, right. Um, funny story. My wife, uh, Lindsay, actually got to go to church last uh, Sunday, and I was taking uh, Jesse Kid to the airport. It happened to be right there, and she got to go to church by herself. And she's like, "I never. It's been so long since I've actually got to sit there and actually listen to a sermon without worrying about some kids." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "It's true. Like that's oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure. lived that for sure." Um, so it's just, it's just funny that, that when we're growing up and you know, you, you can pay attention and then for a while there, it's hard to pay attention. And then eventually it comes back to that. So that's, that's interesting to me that you, you got your notes from the Mm nineties and you can remember that sermon. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really cool. Do you have any other, other sermons that come to mind when you think about that? Um, oh yeah, yeah, there's, there's several, um, but I guess one that really comes to mind is that um, Joel preached a sermon. I don't think it was too long after he had gotten out of the fire academy. That was in 1990. And he called it the headline test. And he talked about um, that in in training in in the fire department, you know, if you're, you're representing the fire department, you know, if you're wearing the uniform or even if you're not, you're representing. And 
that you have to be careful about everything you do because if you do something are you ready for your name and what you did to be put on the headline of the Arizona Republic you know on the headline of the ta- of the paper and i remember that that really stuck with me because he was equating it in a in a spiritual aspect you know as a as a christian as a follower of god um are you ready to have the things that that you know not necessarily all your struggles and all this stuff, but these things that are going on in your life that maybe um, you're just blatantly doing because you just don't want to change. Are you ready for that stuff to be out in the open and on on the headlines, you know, in the headlines? And that that made a big, big impact to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a very good possibility that I was there for that and mm-hmm. I would have been seven years old so i don't think i remember that but it's a possibility that he's said that and re- referenced that several times in other sermons so but i do remember that and that's definitely i mean that stuck with me too so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of um i guess he it may have for me. done it he may have done it later it may have been in another training thing or another another thing that he did because i it seems to me that he might have preached that at like a conference or something like that he also preached one that had to do with your um you know, like going into a fire and all your preparatory, like your 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 bunker pants and all that kind of stuff, and and equating that with the protection that we need to have and the armor of God and stuff like that. So that's that was that probably falls under the visual. Yes, because that way you sure. can. He, he I'm had, sure he had visuals. He probably he brought had some little and, kid in. Yeah, and yeah, he okay. Dressed them. It may have been you. I, yeah. don't, <laughs> I am no, I don't okay. remember that. Part. Yeah, that, so yeah, that's that would fall under mm-hmm. under the visual. So yeah. that's I like that. That's really neat. Um. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, some of the questions we asked in ministry is, uh, one of my favorite questions is that is, what is your favorite way to worship? If you were, if you were like, you know, I need to, we're going to do a worship service somehow, some way, would it be singing? Would it be, um, teaching? Uh, as far as I can remember, as long as I can remember, you've been the, uh, the little kids mm-hmm. Sunday school teacher. So uh, if what's your favorite way, if you just had to do it right now, what would be your favorite way to, to worship? Hmm. I, I think it probably would be doing some kind of teaching and a play and crafts and stuff. But, um, I, I, I absolutely love that. I love it. I feel like, um, I don't know. I don't know that it's really one of my talents, but it's something I really, really like doing. <laughs> I have a lot of those. They're not, I wouldn't call them a talent, but I, I enjoy doing it. So I guess that's what exactly. you would call it. Yeah. I love figuring things out and creating. And I think it, what's so cool to me um, is sometimes I have, because right now I'm teaching three to five. I've, te- I've taught up to like 12 year olds, you know, but I've been teaching three to five year olds for like, gosh, eons. I think probably this, since I was three to five. Probably. probably yeah. I did teach. <laughs> I did teach you at three to five. Yeah. I feel so old now. That's, oh, I just thought about this. That's my very first memory of my life. <gasps> Was being in the back classroom in the Phoenix local. Yeah. And because I was uh, my age group, I was the oldest. I was born in March uh-huh. and I was the oldest. And I think I had just turned three. And I remember bragging to all the other kids that I was three and they were all still two. And it was back in the room. And I think you were the teacher. If, if I, that's so that literally so awesome. is my very first memory of my life was that. Back oh, yeah. There. So that's Asserting funny. dominance at a young age. <laughs> All right, you little two-year-olds, yeah, listen exactly. up here. I'm three. And I'm the, the boss applesauce. I've, I've seen a few things in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next, the, episode, the next episode, the next, next lesson was humility. Yeah. That's what it was. That's what it oh, was. Oh, man. And the three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday school class, humility. 
What craft goes with humility? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't can't, know. E- can't even write an H. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's that's yeah. funny. That just came to mind. That was that was probably you teaching probably. the class. Probably. I I remember teaching. I taught. Yeah. I when I first got married, it was in August of '87, and in um, before that, at the Fourth of July, Marlene Orr said, "So you're going to be moving here." Have you thought about doing Sunday school? And I'd never done anything like that before. It was terrifying to me because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to ruin some children. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. I don't know enough about, you know, the Bible and the Book of Mormon. I don't know anything about all this stuff. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember I was, I think I was 15 years old and somebody asked me, you know, so what, what is the Book of Mormon to you? And I was like, oh, the history of Joseph Smith. (laughs) 15. I didn't know that. The answer would be. And I've been going to church, you know, I didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. So So let's, let's talk more about that. Um, so you were, you're from Missouri. Yes. You're from there. Uh, and like I said, I was probably pretty young, so I don't remember you you were always in Phoenix as far as I can Mm -hmm. remember. So, Mm -hmm. um, what age did you move to Phoenix and how did, let's just talk about that part of your life. Ooh. Okay. So, So I mean, you moved to Phoenix at how old? Well, Okay. I moved to Phoenix when I was 17. I got married when I was 17. My parents had to sign for me to get married. <laughs> nice. And now my mom says to this day, she goes, I didn't know we had a choice. <laughs> no, she didn't oh, know. Uh, they love Joel. And, you know, I mean, obviously I wouldn't change anything. I mean, we've had a great, blessed, wonderful life, everything. But I did not want my kids to get married at 17. So, yeah. um, but. I can imagine. Oh, gosh. I know. I mean, when my girls were 17, I was like, oh, I was probably, I was not more mature than they were, you know, it just was. They were, yeah. Getting yeah. So yeah, we moved, I moved out there, um, when I was, after we got married and at the end of August and, um, moved to Phoenix and left, you know, friends and family and everything, even though. I mean, I loved everybody in Phoenix. It was a big transition, though. It was that a is. big... That was the end of August 1987? 87, yeah. yeah. No. August 22nd was our anniversary, so just a few days ago. I remember that summer. It was hot then, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Was it hot? It was hot. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah, that August summer. Yeah. Yeah, August, yeah, 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 it was very August. hot. It was. It was very <laughs> hot. It was a hot year. <laughs> so so you, you were 17, and Marlene came to you and asked you, basically, to start teaching Sunday school, and Wait. you've been doing it ever since. Well, yes, for the most part. When when my kids were born, I'd take a couple of years off, you know, sometimes until they were able to go into the three into the three year old class, um, and then and then another teacher would say, hey, like Pat McCann, you know, would say, hey, do you want to take my class? And then I was all anxiety again because those kids are older. I mean, three and four year olds, they don't know if I mess up, you know. <laughs> I could just do Noah's Ark and I'll be good. And uh, but it, I mean, it all worked out. It all it all was good. So. Sometimes, um, some, it, it's kind of cool because in the church of Christ, we don't have like a a set curriculum. Um, you know, some churches they have, like they have the whole primers, you know, the whole thing that the scope and sequence and they say, okay, on this Sunday, you will teach this and this is what you're going to do. And it's all prepared for you. Um, we don't have that. And so we just come up with our own Sunday school lessons and some Sundays I'm totally prepared. I'm just totally ready. You know, I've been thinking about it and I've got like a three part, you know, lesson and everything like that that spans over, you know, three weeks for three parts. 
And, um, but some Sundays I'm like, I have no idea. And I go to bed on Saturday night and I'm like, I don't even know. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, that's it. And I know God gives the inspiration for that. I know he does. Um, you know, prepare for it and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and he does. And, and sometimes those are the best lessons, the lessons the kids get, the lessons that, speak to me and what's really cool you guys so so cool is when we're teaching a lesson and then we come out and the sermon talks about the same stuff that we just taught in our Sunday school and I'm like okay this is not for the three and four year olds you know this is for me or and I look all around to all my kids and everything like that I'm looking I'm like did you hear that that was what we learned this is what we taught you know or the co-teacher whoever it is so have you ever have you ever asked Joel to follow up your Sunday school ser- service with uh, something in his sermon? Or no, no, no. I haven't done that. No collaboration. Okay. No <laughs> Sunday school. No collusion. collusion. Yeah, collusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be continued. Yeah, Joel, I, I want you to tie in your sermon to my three-year-old uh, class here. So yeah, listen, these little kids—they need it. Okay? They, they need some reinforcement. Teach humility. No. So. so <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I just needed that. If it makes you feel any better, speaking about Sunday school, we just had our Sunday school business meeting. And in the report where I was detailing out uh, basically what we've done, especially because of COVID, I put down Sister Jennifer Yates. You should be proud of me. I Woo! did. I didn't say Jenny. I said Jennifer Yates. And Look it's even at you in, being all formal. I love I it. Hey, I got to be formal one time a year. This is the moment. So tell me how... How did the COVID-19, this whole 2020 year, how did that affect? Because I know that, you know, some of these kids for their normal schools, they're going virtual and all that stuff like that. What did you do? Uh, and I know you did something. What did you do with the little kids uh, when they couldn't meet and do that? Because I feel like your your passion and your excitement is something that can't be done by other people uh, as easy as you can do it, I feel like. And how did you do that with the little kids? Because I, I, I know you didn't just let the ball drop. I know you had to have done something. And uh, what did you do for that? So um, it's really interesting because God really had put it on my heart like a year before. God, God totally knows me that I'm somebody that uh, change is kind of hard for, you know, like like I don't get really excited or I might get excited about something and then kind of <laughs> drop the ball sometimes. So he put it on my heart like a year ago. You know, you really ought to think about doing uh, video, doing doing some video lessons. You know, how hard can it be? I mean, you're already doing, you know, Sunday school lessons. You really ought to do that. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm talking to myself. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and um, finally, but then, you know, COVID hit. And um, I realized that we're, we had, we, there was going to be a, span of time that these kids weren't going to have Sunday school. I mean, they'd have Sunday school at home, but they wouldn't have, I don't know, somebody else doing it. They wouldn't have these opportunities and, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I got on and bought a ring light and a tripod for my iPhone. And I did a bunch of, you know, searching and figuring out and all of the stuff, you know, I mean, they truly are homemade <laughs> videos. I mean, they're not, they're not at all professional, but I was able to, um, you know, I think, I think I started with a couple of weeks before Easter, I think, and, um, was able to go through, you know, the, uh, Palm Sunday and do the different 
um, do Easter, do do resurrection, just do the crucifixion, do the whole thing. And with these little, little kids, I really don't like to do crucifixion without resurrection because, I mean, resurrection's the hope, you know, and the little kids, you don't want them to wait a whole week thinking, <laughs> you know, not knowing what happened. this is terrible, yeah. you know. So anyway, um, so yeah, I've been able to do that. Um, I also... Um, didn't want to use other people's uh, like crafts or color sheets because a lot of, a lot of times that's what we do. You know, I'll be like, oh, you know, Daniel in the lion's den or, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or, you know, n- you know, the Jaredites. I'm just shouting out things. And I'll look up a color sheet and I'll print it out and the kids can do that. And I thought, well, I'm going to be linking this to my stuff. And I don't want to go through all these like saying, um, well, you know, for copyright reasons, because copyright's really important. Um, I got this from here and here and blah, blah. So I decided that um, I really wanted to do my own and draw my own. So um, I used my iPad mini and my finger and I drew a whole, drew a lot of this stuff. And I've with been your finger? with my finger wow. on my iPad mini with an app and drew a lot of the color sheets and the did my um, memory verses. Uh, that stuff was typed, but um, but I had been saving for a long time for an iPad Pro. And um, anyway, uh, I ended up being able to get one of those with an Apple Pencil. So now I can really do more things. And so it's just been a real big blessing because um, God's been able to. Um, use me in my frailties, I guess. I mean, the things that I don't feel confident in, um, but the things that I'm excited and passionate about. I mean, I'm so excited for kids. I just love kids. And I feel like um, that, you know, I okay, a long time ago, uh, I, and it probably was your guys' age, Tony and Cody and all of these, kids your sister holly and stuff um i realized that you know growing up and if i want to have a relationship and be friends as adults then i need to be nice and enthusiastic and excited for these kids and to teach them about god and about how much he loves them and teach them these things but also but especially not not especially also how much I love them and how much I want to have that relationship because I don't want to be an old lady and not have anybody around me old or young that thinks that I think they're a pain you know I don't want people I mean I probably have done that (laughs) many times you know with whatever little kid or whatever teenager I've probably done some something that was not right but on the whole I realized that Kids are just adults that aren't there yet. (laughs) And I need to treat them with respect and with love and so that we can be friends someday. So I feel like an adult that's not there yet. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Me too. You can attend one of Jenny's online YouTube. (laughs) As long as I get some cool art (laughs) to do, that's awesome. So uh, something that you uh, you alluded to earlier that I wanted to go back and revisit, because this is the second time it's been brought up in uh, separate podcasts, was the uh, uh, the experiences of 
being a youth with the Randy and Becky Sheldon leadership, that kind of time era. Mm-hmm. Do you have any funny or anecdotal stories that you can remember or something that you would like to share maybe or just some experience that you had or something that was a lot of fun back from that time? Oh, there's so much. Yeah. No, really, seriously, so much. Um, it wasn't until wasn't until I was an adult with kids that I realized just how much Randy and Becky did and gave up I mean, gave up their weekends, you know, did all kinds of stuff for us. And um, I mean, we just had an amazing youth group. We just had great kids. We were talking, I was talking with Michelle about this not long ago. And I mean, we, we did things during young people's and not during young people's, you know, I mean, we were just really close. And I think a lot of that has to do with Randy and Becky. Um, Let's see. There's, there's some, I don't know. We, you don't have to. I'm we just did. We can no, edit no, no. it out yeah, if, yeah, it, yeah. if it takes a wrong turn. Oops, I forgot to edit it out. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry, Randy. Sorry, sorry, I made it in there. He, uh, we had, um, we took two bus trips. I'm sure. Oh, I've heard people. Bus trips oh, with Randy. These bus trips are always legendary. They're amazing. I mean, just amazing. So we took the, we worked hard for that stuff too. I mean, we were out, we would have young people's. And we would also work, work hard, you mm-hmm. know, um, for fundraising and stuff like that. So, but anyway, on one of these bus trips, um, Randy liked to kind of, um, freak out or terrify people yeah. uh, with, with, with the driving in the mountains, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I mean, I remember driving along and there was the, you know, the cliff on one side. And so <laughs> a lot of the chaperone moms were like, get over to the inside. We're going to tip over. I mean, that wasn't going to happen, but, um, but one of the times he, pre- he pretended like he'd lost the brakes, that the brakes had went out <laughs> and mean, he, he was going kids? down. I mean, it was young people's age, so 12 to... A bus full of 12 to 17-year-olds. 12 to 18, 20, 25. <laughs> that but, lost the but it was, spoke through the mountains. But yeah. it was mostly for the chaperones who were freaking out about everything, too. So we're going down, and everybody's like, no! And he's like, I can't stop! I can't stop! And he goes onto a runaway truck ramp, you know, but we didn't, like, sink down or anything like that. He was able to back, back slowly out, and, we were, and you know, there was all kinds of things being thrown and stuff like that you know but it was freaky i mean i remember being in the back going i have no clue what's going on i why are we going so fast why are people screaming you know i just had no idea what was going on until we got up there and then i realized oh we didn't have breaks wait we had breaks yeah (laughs) there's some guy that like at every thanksgiving still tells his family about some time back in the 80s when he was driving in the mountains and saw this bus lose the brakes <laughs> and go up a truck, a, one of those truck ramps, he's like, "Y'all never believe it! I saw it." Kids yeah, screaming. Yeah, kids screaming. People throwing stuff at the driver. It was crazy. I hope they are all right. You know, I should have checked on them. You know, there's some guy that's still telling that story. Oh, that's right. So that's, that's right. that just reminded me of a, a story I have once again from when I was a really young child, um, and it involves you too. Is I don't know if you remember this, but. I was probably the youngest kid on the hayride up at the 4th of July, the camp. Mm-hmm. And where, where was it for people oh, that don't no. know? Where, give it, some context. It's in Heber, that. Arizona. Every 4th of July, they would have the camp for all ages mm-hmm. um, up at the Yates' camp in Heber. And uh, I remember we were going on this hayride. And I, I mean, okay, I, th- I think it was probably my first hayride ever. And I was 
probably just out of your class. I was probably three or four. This actually might be my second memory. I remember. <laughs> How come you're in all my first memories, Jenny? But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I remember that I want to say it was Ed or Andy, Ed Yates or Andy Brown, maybe be Andy Brown, and he was driving the truck, and we got attacked by Indians, <laughs> um, and they they yanked him out of the truck and. I think they beat him over the head with a rock and he had fake blood coming out of his head. I want to say I was three or four years old. I remember. And I lost my mind. And <laughs> and everybody else was having a grand old time and I literally was like, this is the end. This is the end. <laughs> and I want to say that you walked me and another little kid yep. back to the camp. Yep. And and I I remember you being like, it's okay, it's okay, it was fake. And I was like, that was, I saw him, he's, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was, I mean, looking back, okay, that was pretty funny. But I remember that, and you were there because I remember. I think you walked me, and I, I can't remember who it was. Who, yeah, I want to think Erica, maybe, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. That was. But Joel remembers the part when you went and told your dad that he needed to go and take care of this because <laughs> there's stuff going on. You know, yeah. you my were dad, my, you were so upset, and I know he had a gun in his truck. That's why I did. I was like. <laughs> Okay, there's Indians out there. We're going to go get them, okay? <laughs> well, and still to this day, you have a uh, crippling phobia of hayrides. Still, <laughs> still yeah. haven't been on one. Yeah, still haven't been on one. I was like, four years ago. Every time I get on one, someone gets their head back. <laughs> but yeah, they and the fake the fake blood is... I I know. It was over the top. I was like, oh no. Why are yeah, they maybe, doing that? Maybe that's the five and up hayride, not the three <laughs> and true. up hayride. <laughs> that was awful. That just reminds me when you were talking about the losing the brakes. But yeah, that mm-hmm. was... That Jenny walks me all the way back to the camp. I, I remember that. I think that probably my second memory was mm-hmm. that. So that's pretty funny. Um, oh, hey, do you want to hear another story about Randy? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Yes. <laughs> it was, okay, so he they would take us on small trips, you know, and stuff. So this this time he took us to um, Warrensburg. I, I don't remember. I mean, it was a camp out type thing or something. It might have been at Becky's mom's place, Marlene's. I don't remember that part, but I do remember we went back to Warrensburg before they had the church or anything like that there, but they were meeting somewhere. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, this long like wreck building or something like that. And they had pews in different places and stuff like that. So, um, you know, all of us were like young teenagers. We just did all kinds of stuff and we're up way too late and everything like that. Get up way too early in the morning and so we're pretty tired and we get get to Warrensburg and of course you know Randy's preaching and um so Randy's Randy's up at the front with the pulpit or whatever it was right up there and there was a pew like right in in the front there facing all of us um and that's where we just everybody was just sitting where they could sit because we had a lot of people there and so and I can't remember if it was Greg Brickhouse or Jeff Oldham, but one of them was laying on that pew. Please be Jeff during the service. <laughs> during the service, that and fell so asleep. Much like Jeff. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, laying down on this. Oh gosh, maybe he wasn't laying down, but I, let's just say he's for the sake down. of the story. He's laying down. He's laying but down, but like Randy couldn't really totally see him, you know. Um, but he was whatever he was doing, whether he was upright or not. 
he was asleep. I mean, he was dead asleep, and we could see that he was asleep, right? During and the service. During the service, during his sermon. And Randy's talking, rawr, rawr, and he's just all animated, and you can't see me, but I'm waving my arms, and he's doing all that stuff, right? And he walks back and forth, right? And then he goes over, and he grabs <laughs> grabs him and shakes him, and he's like, rawr, like that, right? And it scared him. Jeff or Greg, I don't remember which Jeff, one. It was Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> and scared him awake, right? It was the best. And I don't <laughs> even know how we didn't laugh. It was so good. So see, that's another sermon I remember. Yeah, well, I yeah just, that is. Uh, probably because you know, you're mortified is going to come shake you too. <laughs> that's right. You know, I think. But I don't even know. I mean, we, we discussed that. I mean, we don't think that he knew that he was asleep. <laughs> he just happened but, to be the person he But he, he was just yeah. like, yeah. I think every... I Every logo should probably that. flip a, a pew the opposite way. So yeah. just, you know, just for. And then reason. we just all rotate. Yeah. Every Sunday. Oh, this is your Sunday. <laughs> You're on the front row facing the, this way. <laughs> to be in the special pew. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't it be awesome? Oh, that would be good. So we've, we've talked about this, but I guess we never kind of connected you with, um, with your family and everything. So, uh, you you were married to Joel Yates, Apostle Joel Yates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I guess if somebody doesn't know that's who we're talking to is Jennifer Yates, who is married to Joel Yates, Joel Apostle Lefer. Joel yes. Lefer Yates. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, tell us tell us about that. So I remember he um, he was probably already in the ministry when you got married, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So when we were dating, he was a teacher, and then he got called to be an elder while while we were dating. And, um, and then got married and time went on and he, when I was, um, pregnant with McKenna, he was called to be an apostle. And, um, I mean, that was a really neat experience. It was a really terrifying experience for me. I knew a long time before that he was going to be called. I had a feeling that he'd be called again. God knows me and knows I need lots of time to get ready for things. <laughs> and I just, I just remembered, you know, brother house, Nick wasn't doing well and stuff. And I was like, Oh no. Um, okay. Maybe if I'm just not very good, if I don't do everything like I'm supposed to, God won't call him <laughs> to be an apostle. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, how old were you at that time? Oh, I was late twenties. Late twenties. You know? Yeah. That's, that's a lot to... Well, and I'd grown up hearing all these beautiful, wonderful testimonies of of women who... Wives of, of missionaries, wives of apostles who had absolutely nothing. And they had to rely on their, their um, you know, neighbors to bring a casserole over because their children had no food. And I was like, I don't know if I could do that, God. I don't know if I could do that. You know, I was really... I still was young. I still am young to try to figure out how to trust God, you know, I mean, he still is trying to knock it into my head, but, but I've been able to do a whole bunch of stuff, um, to, to help out, you know, I mean, just, I know I was saying I was nervous and why am I doing this? Cause I'm not in the ministry. I mean, all of us have a place, you know, God has, you know, that song, all God's children, all God's creatures got a place in the choir, you know, <laughs> that's what we go we, on. Sorry. So we just have, we all have a place, right? And so it doesn't, you don't have to be a minister to serve. You don't have to be a minister to be used by him. You don't have to be any of that stuff, you know? I mean, I think sometimes I use that as an excuse, you know, not to have to do that. But but I am, oh, oh, I've got something. Okay, this is another funny one. 
I just do all these interspersing. Sorry. That's serious great. and funny. It's like that's, a roller coaster. That's perfect for the podcast. Yeah, freeform. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> roll with it. That's me. Jen Freeform. Um, <laughs> so I, so I, I, spoiler, I edit a lot of Joel's, I edit all of Joel's like written sermons, you know, not, not the preaching ones. He does great with that. But, you know, I love grammar. I love, Oh, I just love a well-placed comma. I like that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I need that on a T-shirt. I love a well-placed, <laughs> love a well-placed yeah. comma. And uh, so, so I go through stuff, you know, and do do what I do. And uh, so, so this one, oh, forgive me, Joel, but this is really, really funny. Um, so he was writing. He wrote this sermon, right? And it was very good. It was really, it was really. Uh, you know, to the point and, and, and inspired, you know, he felt really led to, to write it. And so I'm right reading it and okay. Context time-wise, it was right after Despicable Me came out. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Right after. So he's, or came out on DVD because that's how I saw it. So he, he had written and it was a really serious part. And he was like the devil and his minions. And I was like, Oh, like you can't put no. that. His minions are doing these things, and I was like, "Oh, Joel, you can't." And he goes, "Jen, that's what. Look up the definition of minions." I said, "Oh, it's gonna be a little yellow guy wearing wearing overalls. We cannot keep minions in your sermon." Yeah. I really wanted to, but I really knew we couldn't. Oh, you so. didn't let him. I did. It, oh. To this day, it does not have minions in it. Maybe I saved an old copy. And- <laughs> Yeah, can we see the original drop on <laughs> yeah, yeah, with pictures, please? Yeah, so that's was, despicable me. It was pretty. It was pretty good. I I could just see, yeah, people reading it and people of a certain age reading. Yeah, it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the first thing I think of when yeah. you hear minions. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's yep. just hope we have no future ministers named Gru. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, then you're not going to take anything he says seriously. <laughs> well, so growing up here. In, in Missouri, living in Phoenix, is do is there any part of here? Uh, I, I know Phoenix is beautiful and there's mountains and stuff. And uh, in Missouri, there's terrible humidity. And not to get into a weather discussion, but <laughs> is there anything honestly maybe that you think back or that you kind of miss about Missouri? Oh yeah. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I miss I miss green grass. I miss uh, trees. I I miss grass that so you don't have to pay to plant and to water all the time. You know, I miss that. Um, I miss the smell of rain and fresh mown grass because rain smells different in Arizona. It took me a long time to get used to it. (laughs) I mean, the rain hits the asphalt and it's so hot that it's almost like a, Oh, that's true. All the stuff on the ground just kind of steams. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't smell great. That's true. I, there is also this, um, plant and Joel knows what it is it's bush creosote creosote and I mean when it would start to rain Joel go oh smell that air oh the rain smells so good and I'm like it smells like cat pee oh it smells so bad so bad and I hated it for the longest time now I like it because it just means that there's rain happening but I do I do miss that I remember um like just months after we were married. We went, drove up with some friends to the Grand Canyon. And, um, I mean, I just, we just drove up this, I don't know, hill, mountain, whatever it was, and crested. And then there's just these beautiful, like, green fields. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, you guys, this looks like Missouri. This looks like Missouri, guys. This looks like Missouri. It's so good. And everybody just keeps talking and talking. I'm like, would you listen to me? <laughs> and I didn't realize how much I missed it until then. Yeah. But but Phoenix is my home now. I mean, it, I mean, it should be. It's been my home for, for 30 whatever <laughs> years, 33 years. I should know that by now. Yeah, 33 years. <laughs> wow. Um, so, I mean, it's my home and I miss it, um, when I'm away, but, um, but no, I, I, I do love, I do love Missouri. I, it's really funny because we travel a lot, um, you know, with Joel being a missionary and minister, I mean, apostle, all the, all those things combined. And so we travel and meet people and it's so cool because, um, I, we can, you can go into someone's home or meet them somewhere or something, uh, somebody, um, you know, in the church or whatever. And you just, uh, I anyway, automatically just feel a bond and like I'm home, you know, um, people open up their homes to you and stuff like that. You know, it, I feel like I feel at home at the walkers, you know, in, in Washington. Um, I feel at home with all their family and, and now with, everything with you know facebook and and instagram and you can have i mean i know there's all kinds of not great stuff about stuff but there's so many good things about it too and i just feel so linked to so many people and so many places i mean i feel like um i can go you know anywhere new york i can be anywhere all over the place and feel like it's home and then when i leave i feel like i've left a part of me there too I don't know if that makes sense. Interesting. Oh, that makes sense for sure. Uh, so my next question, my next question for you is kind of a two-part question. Uh, it it kind of mirrors what we asked some of the ministry, but uh, being being the wife of an apostle, uh, there's got to be a lot of a lot of things that are a little bit. I'm trying to say the right word here, but a lot of things that are rewarding, mm-hmm. and there's got to be some things that are hard because I know, you know, my, my father is an an apostle as well. And I got to see when I was living at home, I could see how that affected my mom. And I don't know that, uh, I I guess I never thought about it, but you being, uh, in your twenties when you were married to an apostle, Mm -hmm. um, what, what are some of the most rewarding things that you've had in your life being married to, um, an apostle? And what are some of the most challenging things you've had to deal with being married to an apostle? Hmm. Okay. Well, rewarding, I, travel, meeting people, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, knowing who people are, you know, and not, not, just, um, not just the names, you know, but being able to put faces to them, seeing their kids and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, also, you know, being, being younger, you know, we could meet with other people that had young kids and stuff and, and they grew up with our kids at that same time. Um, that kind of stuff is neat. Um, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say because it's, I mean, it's your life. You know what I mean? Um, it's hard to say, pull apart, rewarding and, and not. I know that I know the challenges that were there. Um, the rewarding part really is going to come later, you know, when well, yeah. I meet the Lord, you know, and I and I hold to that sometimes when things kind of get kind of get hard. Um, Joel's gone a lot. He was gone a lot. Um, and not, I'm not criticizing that it was what was needed. And I'm, and I was glad that he could do it and we could do it. I mean, God blessed him with a great job that he could take time off as a firefighter. Um, 
and everything, but then he'd have to make up shifts and stuff like that. So there was a lot of times when, you know, kids would have different events and different things and, and they weren't there, but, um, but you know, you made sure that they knew that their dad loved him, you know, had flowers for him at their um, recitals or, you know, those kind of things. I'm sure Zach loved the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He loved it. He loved it. Um, just there's, there's different things like that. There were, um, you know, some of the, I, I remember, I remember Becky Sheldon talking about her cabinets and, and she, um, didn't have like poles on them, you know, handles and poles. And she really wanted those. And, but they, you know, something would always come up and they, they didn't have it. And it was really hard for her, um, for a while. And then, um, you know, the Lord blessed her and helped her to see, um, the great expanse of it and really that that stuff didn't matter. And, um, you know, she eventually had them, you know, and everything. Um, I know, uh, part, sometimes in my life, you know, um, I would think, oh, it would be really nice if, you know, if, you know, our, um, all, all of our vacations were, uh, to go to church stuff, which, I, I loved the road trips. I loved all that stuff. But every now and then I'd be like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could do, you know, just go to Hawaii or we could go to, you know, I don't know, a theme park or, or something like that. Um, but I realized um, that there was a, a, the Lord was teaching me things and he was helping my kids to learn a depth of service, you know. Um, many times we would have some, not many times, not many times, sometimes <laughs> we'd have things planned and Joel would get a phone call and he'd need to go help somebody, you know, somebody who was having a hard time or needed administration or just needed to talk, you know, um, there were, there were some, there's just that, that was the hardest challenge for me was time. Cause I grew up, my mom and dad, Sam and Helen kid, you know, my dad went to work in the morning, came home by 4.45, um, Monday through Friday. You know, my brother is 16 years older than me, so I was pretty much an only child. You know, I mean, he was out of the house, you know, in college when I remembered. And so I went straight into a situation that was totally different than my upbringing. And my upbringing was time, you know. And um, so, so that, that was a struggle for me. Um, still is a struggle for me sometimes, you know, I mean, we all have different things that we have to deal with in our lives. And, um, you know, one person's thing is not the other person's. So, um, God, one thing that was kind of cool is that God gave, uh, a, a neat testimony when Joel was called, he was, I, I won't get into the whole everything of that. It's a really, really neat, um, a really neat testimony and, and I wouldn't do it, do it justice, just going off the cuff. But, um, it was, it happened during a, a, uh, um, conference ministers con or a April conference. And, um, it had happened before and people were praying and fasting about it. Joel didn't get off work in time. There was no cell phone. So we didn't know really what had transpired, you know, until we got to church and then they still hadn't like revealed the names that were called because it didn't happen during a service. It happened, um, in apostles meeting. So, um, so we were in the solemn assembly praying and fasting and, and, and stuff. And, um, 
uh, Jay Moser stood up and said that um, that he was he was given to say to to say that um, God considers everything. He considers all things, even the needs of both the born and the unborn, even the needs of the unborn. And I knew right at that moment that God was telling me Joel is going to be called because I was pregnant with McKenna. And, um, um, you know, I had always gone through these, you know, I can't, you know, we can't do this, you know, we can't do all these things. I say can't a lot. <laughs> can't do these things because how are we going to be able to, um, how am I going to be able to survive? It's going to be like I'm going to be a single mom, you know, and everything. And he had said those things, and I, and I still hold those um, because, you know, uh, God called Joel and he knew McKenna before McKenna was born. I mean, and he knew, he said, you know, your family can do this. I need Joel and I need your family to be where they are and in the service of me. And it was so awesome and powerful. Um, Jay wrote it down and gave it to me and stuff so that I still have it. Um, that experience, it just, it, it just meant the world to me that um, God cared enough about me that he would give me that. I remember sitting in the driveway at my mom and dad's house and Joel's like, no, 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 that's, it might happen, but that's a long time from now. I'm like, I don't think so, you know, but I was listening to him thinking, oh good, he doesn't think it's going to happen, you know, <laughs> but it did. And then when it did, Amy was eight years old or whatever, and she heard her dad's name read and she was like, yes. Because she thought he had won something or something. Yes. She had no idea. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, we can't do that. It's right not now. like that. It's not like that. We can't do that. But I mean, it has been a blessing. It's been it's been a blessing. It's it, you know, it things are hard, but things are hard in life, you know. Uh, and like you said, it's the only thing you really know. So Right, exactly. It, that's your reality, that's it your life. It is exactly it. And for I, sure. And it could have even it could have been a blessing that it happened to you at a younger age because mm-hmm. That's majority of your life now. It's, you know, don't want to blast your age out there. Oh, but, it's all right. But you're, you know, for a, a good portion of your life, that's kind of been your life. So it's not yeah. like, it's not like you were 60 years old and then it happened because then right. it just could uproot everything for you. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, God does give us, doesn't give us more than we can handle. So mm-hmm. that's a really cool testimony that he, that Joel, um, or that Jay had that for you mm-hmm. talking about and then the unborn and, it, that that's got to feel good. They're like, okay, well, okay. If, if I have that, then it's going to be good. It's going right. to be nice. But, and, right. and what, what I heard from what you just said was it, it the common thread was it's the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, I know growing up that, you know, my dad, I, when Joel would call the exact same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So I was, I believe I was still in high school. Uh, it was 98. 98. So. so I was probably a freshman or I think I was going to be a freshman in high school. And uh, and my dad was a police officer growing up. So mm-hmm. uh, he didn't necessarily work the 9 to 5. He was gone a lot and everything. But uh, that's definitely the time is, is what goes away from you. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to to ask that. And, you know shortly after that I I've, I've moved out and it's kind of like it's not my life anymore mm-hmm. but that's that's been your life and it's the time that's that you feel like it's being taken away from you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where where it's it's got to be 
uh, it's got to be hard for you to understand that and well not understand but kind of grasp that because yeah the time is away from you but look where that time is going mm-hmm. and that's where you you kind of have to well if you know you have that that testimony you have that where you know the lord said i need joel mm-hmm. to be out there doing that mm-hmm. that's where okay well you, okay that's just me then i can i can handle it mm-hmm. i can do it and if joel's needed elsewhere mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. then then that's what we have to do right so and i mean sometimes it's not as easy as that you know and joel knows me just like probably not as well as god but you know um to where if something's coming up he gives me a couple days you know he tells me and he waits and he's like he knows it pretty soon i'll be like all right you know (laughs) um and i'm still that way but it's it's like a shift in perspective is what i have to do and i'm and it's it it can be a daily thing you know i mean i think it's through in everybody's life but it should be a daily thing yeah probably help everybody out right (laughs) well shifting my perspective helps other people (laughs) that's for sure um, well, you were saying like the, right. the drawer pulls, right? Like you can get so fixated on I want that little thing, and right. then it's like grand scheme of things, right? I don't need the drawer pulls. Right. I can I can get my fork out of my drawer without that pull, right? So, oh it, yeah, it's perspective. You're like you're saying, right? Oh, and forever and ever and ever, you know, I have been holding on to. We are going to build. We're gonna make our garage into livable space. We're gonna add on this and that. You know. I mean, I was sure that was going to happen for all, and it still hasn't happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, for when my parents come out to to stay in the summer or in the winters, because they'd stay the winters, you know, there, um, we're gonna we're gonna have that next year, so Zach doesn't have to sleep on a cot in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> and he doesn't have to sleep in all these different weird places, you know. Uh, never did. And well, we're gonna make it so that we have a special homeschool room. Never did. Never did. <laughs> and part. Part of me, you know, you think, well, if we weren't, you know, if life was different, we would have the money to do these things. And that's not, that's where I had, I, there's almost like these Danger Will Robinson things in your head that you're like, wait, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing it again. Just change, change your perspective and look out, D- quit looking in, you know, look, look out and that that's really what i had to do and that's really and i still have to do easier said than done for oh, sure oh for sure for me <laughs> absolutely so one thing i wanted to ask about because you had mentioned that uh the affection that you have for kids and, and um the the involvement that you've had with the youth that you've been able to see from mm-hmm. a young child growing up into an adult um even if it's the ones that are terrified of people getting their heads bashed in and walking back on a, on a hayride <clears throat> do you or uh, what is the biggest difference that uh, do you think that there is between um, kids or teenagers growing up in this time as opposed to when you were their age maybe even in oh, the in wow. the youth youth group age range mm-hmm. um i think that a lot of times, I mean, everybody's going to default to social media and cell phones and computers and everything. And and I, I think that's a lot of things going on. But I, th- I think it does still go back to time in a lot of ways. Um, our time is, uh, you know, we, we end up going from here to there and, and doing all that stuff. And it's not, it doesn't seem like there's a, as much time to be able to get together as either youth groups or, or small groups or, or things like that, because we filled our time, not necessarily with bad things, just 
just with things that have whether it's because it has to or not i mean there's just a different prior you know taking priority over um and i mean i'm not saying anything against anything back and forth uh back and forth so i'm not i'm not saying anything against this time or or my time growing up i know my time growing up i think um we had a lot of freedom a lot of freedom um i know i had a lot of freedom and probably everybody in the youth group would say it's because my dad was wrapped around my little finger but (laughs) um my parents trusted me a lot and and um you know some of the things i you know it's stuff that you just wouldn't do now you wouldn't let your kids do the things not not that we did horrible things but there's there's more i don't know if i want to say dangers but it just it just seems to be more in our face now than it used to be um i i see a lot of neat things though um all across the board i see some i the teen camp we have now we didn't have that when i was growing up and i see some really great stuff with that um with Wait, the you did you never had teen camp never up? had team camp oh, never I, had i don't teen know why camp. i just assumed Mm-mm. it was no how no. old were you when teen camp started um oh gosh uh oh you know what i was Gosh, I'm pregnant all the time, it seems, when we're talking here. <laughs> I was pregnant with Amy when the first teen camp started. So that was 1990. Oh. So um, huh. she she was born in October, and I was there as a um, – I didn't get to be a counselor because uh, my cousin passed away, so we, we were there. But I was there teaching a couple classes and stuff. Um, so 1990 was wow. when it was. But – I mean, our teen camp was kind of like those bus trips, and we had other things, but we didn't have anything from all across the nation. I know your dad had thought of it at the same time as Buzz had thought of it and was like, we need this. Well, that's that's uh, interesting you say that because I remember when when I was at teen camp, it was, uh, this is going to sound like I'm old, but uh, we would actually write letters to everybody. Like, we would actually, you'd have to get up and write on a paper and mail it off to them, and then we were like, we write so often that we were like lagging behind. So I would send you a letter and then I send you another letter before you got that one. And just, that's mm-hmm. how it happened. That's mm-hmm. how I did it. And that would go on for, I don't know, a month or two, probably through all back in school. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of stopped going. But now like these kids, this day and age, they mm-hmm. literally like soon as it's over, they're probably already friends on social media yeah. and they keep in touch all year oh, long yeah. and talk to each other, FaceTime and all that stuff. So absolutely. That's, I mean, that's like you're saying, social media is, it can be bad, but that's where I would have loved to keep in contact with all of my church friends from, from youth camp, you know, and stay in contact for longer, but we just drifted apart over time. So. Right, right. No, I, I see some really, I mean, you know, if you're talking just about, you know, the genre of, you know, oh, this is bad, this is good. I don't know. I, there's just good and bad in all of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, that the teen camp and the social media and getting together, um, I see some, you know, kids that want to go on missionary trips with some of the some of the um, missionaries that are going out and stuff like that. Um, I see people that are really, I mean, when I when I was a teenager, and now there there are kids that are really wanting to know 
about the Lord, you know, and we're all on different steps of the ladder, you know, um, it's just exciting no matter what time period you grow up in. Um, it's just pretty exciting, um, to see that growth. And I think if we can use these tools, right. Um, it can be an encouragement to the youth. Yeah. To be able to reach out and contact the people that are, you know, that you meet at youth camp. And if you have questions, like if I can just reach out to, let's say you were an isolated member and, you know, I'll have to ask Joel this question when I see him next summer at youth camp. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can message him on social media right mm-hmm. now or text him. Um, and let's get a Zoom study going. Yeah. You and, know, and I'm, yeah. and I'm sure this technology we're having right now has probably been even greater beneficially to, to like Joel and something like that because, uh, I know when, when the zoom calls started for church and I hadn't been in the Phoenix local, I haven't been back to Phoenix for a long time, but, um, I, I tuned into one of the meetings and it literally was like me sitting in church with everybody from Phoenix. Yeah. And it was just, it was really cool. Cause I was like, this is an awesome thing because, uh, I was in Chicago at the time with my family and nobody was able to go to church, mm-hmm. but because of the way this happened, that everybody else was kind of on the same playing field as me. So I literally was just as much in that service as everybody else was. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, it kind of was, it kind of opened my eyes to be like, well, we're all, it was all great to see everybody. And that was, that's where I just wanted to say about the technology part is, yeah, we, we got to find the good because mm-hmm. it's easy to, to see the bad and kind of let it slap us in the face, but there's, there's good out there too. Absolutely. So. I agree. Well, uh, I appreciate your time and thank you very much for coming out today. Thank you. Is there anybody you would like, this is kind of our tradition, is there anybody you would like to nominate now that you've sat through mm-hmm. this side of a podcast? Um, uh, would you like to hear anybody? You, you have the pleasure of nominating somebody for the Ooh, next podcast. That's exciting. So who I want to sit in this chair. Yeah, who you yeah. want to get podcasted. Hmm, let's think. You, oh, you know who I think would be perfect? Michelle. Perfect. Oh, yeah, she would. But I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think she already told me that we would not be friends anymore <laughs> if that happened. We'll see, Michelle. We'll I love see. you. I love you, Michelle. Um, she didn't. I mean, she said that, but it was joking. She would always be my friend. <laughs> always. Let's find out. Um. <laughs> We've, we have been friends forever. Did you know that? I did know that. For did she ever. did she call you Jenny or Jennifer? Or Jen. <gasps> or Jen K. You know I don't what? know. Our friendship transcends <laughs> all names. Wow. What is, it does. Gotta, I got to ask her next time I see her, what is your name and her phone? Oh, that's a good idea. That, that will be yeah. what, what she calls you. So. That's a good idea. Yeah. No, she, she kept me on the straight and narrow for... When we were growing up, I'm and, glad somebody and oh, and Harvey Seibel, I'm sorry, I'm going on and on. Do it, Harvey Seibel, young, young Harvey, 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 Harvey the young, Harvey Leon Seibel. He did uh, treasure hunts for us in 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 young people's. He did in youth group. He did treasure hunts that were amazing. It would took it took like all day long, all Saturday long, and we go all over like scavenger hunts. No treasure hunts. Like you'd have to figure out the riddle. You'd have to figure out whatever it was like, like he'd have like paper with a long strip of paper um, with just letters on it every now and then. And you'd have to find the certain size dowel rods to wrap it around so that you could find the clue. Uh, Just some really, yeah, some cool ones, some cool ones. He called it, um, he had 
like t-shirts for the winners made up and it was like humdinger the pirate you know and the treasure chest it was so cool <laughs> i'm not that smart oh we had <laughs> no, so much fun so much i tried to do one in in phoenix like that and it was fun we had a great time but it was boys against girls and the guys just ended up giving up and going over to daniel's and swimming in the pool yeah well you know kids now they just google all the answers <laughs> oh that's yeah that's everything. right oh but anyway we had we had fun but it was michelle and amy and i that were always on it and we we always won and it was mostly because michelle is so smart so <laughs> it was so fun so but anyway back to who i want and i think okay so this is who's in my mind because i think he would be great i think randy sheldon <laughs> should be who you get next time because i think i think it'd be great we that, could probably swing that we could probably swing that and i'm swing. sure we could probably get some good stories coming and get some it. laughs his yeah. laugh is the best okay i love his laughter well again thanks for taking the time to sit down with us i know in our time right now it's pretty late but this has been great i really enjoyed it and this is the first we've done of these that are just something new and fun and i want to keep them going so you've set the bar very high i so really I enjoyed it. it it's great thank you so much for having me absolutely Thank you very much for listening to the 1830 Podcast Network. Have a great day.